All right. Good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you here today. Uh, if we haven't said it already, we are so glad that you are here, and uh, we believe uh, that uh, God has brought you here today for a very specific reason. We pray that you feel loved and welcomed and encouraged today, and we love new people at Hope. In fact, that's why I know that you're all here today, why, why it's a full house day, because obviously, uh, you're obviously here because it's one of the most important Sundays of the year. Did you know that? You're here because it's a day that you have been anticipating for months. I know, I know, just let me remind you if you've forgotten. Uh, it's one of the most important Sundays of the year. You've been anticipating for months. You have marked this date, this date, Sunday, October 26th, on your calendar. It's on your calendar every year. It's a Sunday that you wouldn't miss for anything else in the world. I'm sure that you woke up extra early this morning out of just pure sure excitement because you couldn't wait to come to worship and celebrate with everybody. Uh, you couldn't contain yourself. Uh, do I even need to say it? <laughs> I mean, you know what it is, right? It's Reformation Sunday! Hey! Oh, you mean some of you forgot? Oh, man, I thought all of you would know. And you call yourselves Lutheran. Oh, that's... Now, Luther is looking at all of you this morning saying, I can't believe you forgot. I mean, that's what he's saying in that face, right? <laughs> Come on, people, right? I can't believe you forgot. Well, since we are Lutheran, uh, there is grace for you today, but what an important day for us nonetheless. If you did forget and you're not uh, hept on the church calendar in the Lutheran Church. We are Lutheran Church of Hope. We're not just Hope or Church of Hope. We're Lutheran Church of Hope. And so today and each year on the last Sunday of October, we, along with millions of other Lutherans around the world, celebrate this, this time, this date in 15, the year 1517. Anybody around then? Okay. Uh, 1517, when Martin Luther, the, the founder of our Lutheran movement, nailed what's called the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. These 95 issues or concerns that he had happened to have with the Roman Catholic Church uh, at the time, which kind of became the foundation for the whole Protestant movement and eventually became Lutheranism, and we are Lutherans. And so nearly 400 years, 500 years later, you and I sit here this morning basing our faith on many of the same things that Luther nailed to the door of the church that day. Most importantly, that we have been saved by grace, that we have been saved not because of how good we are or because of anything that we could do, but because of what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? So that's the, the centerpiece of what was called the Protestant Reformation. And because a part of our, uh, it's part of our Lutheran history, it's possible then that next week, as you've already heard, that we can celebrate another awesome event at all of our campuses, and that is the 20th anniversary of Hope. Are you excited about that? It's good to be 20, isn't it? For some of you, do you remember when you were 20? Some of you, do you wish you were 20? I, yeah, it, it's an exciting time. So because of that, some people on our uh, video team are putting together a happy birthday Hope Video. So we've never done this before, uh, but what they're doing is they're looking for little clips from every single campus and every single like, group and class that exists at Hope saying, happy birthday, Hope. And then they're going to put this all together and we'll show it to you next week. So there's a little hint, hint, incentive to come back for worship next week to see yourself on TV, okay? So Tiffany and Jed, are, Jed is 
perching over there. Uh, that's why they're up here. So here's what we're going to do, okay? And just, we're going to try this. It could completely bomb, but that's okay. Um, what we're going to do is I want you to sit nice and proper like you're actually paying attention to a sermon. As if you don't always do that, right? right? So sit nice and proper and just sitting there. I mean, you can smile. You don't have to look too serious. But just sit there, you know, good posture. Check your posture just nice and straight, okay? And we're just going to be completely calm, all right? I'm going to say one, two, three, go. So it's one, two, three, go, not one, two, three. Some of you get confused about these things, all right? One, one two, three, go. And then these guys are going to record some video. You're going to stand up, and I want you to be the loudest, craziest person people in this video, okay? They're just going to blow them away, right? They're going to be like, oh, it must be the Des Moines campus, okay? These wild and crazy people. Just be who you are, wild and crazy. So nice and proper, one, two, three, go. Stand up and scream at the top of your lungs, happy birthday, hope, okay? Think we can do that? It requires you to stand up. If you want to wave your arms and go crazy, be the loudest campus in this video, okay? I hope we only have to do one take, okay? So don't let me down, all right? You guys ready? Videographers ready? Should I be right here? Okay. Here? Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. Everybody listening? <laughs> this is awkward. One, two, three, go! Happy birthday, ho! Good job, good job, have a seat. Wow, that was, did we get it? Nice. I thought you were gonna say I forgot to hit record or something like that. Oh man, that was fun. It just gets the blood moving a little bit on a fall morning here. All right, enough, uh, enough uh, with the funny business and goofing around. It's time to get serious, so open your Bibles, people. All right, Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, we would encourage you to do that because we're always serious here at Hope. Well, really, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we always take God very seriously. So we're going to be diving into Luke chapter 19 uh, today, if you've got your Bibles. If you don't, there's ones in the rows. would love for everybody to have that open. We're going to kind of walk through a story today verse by verse, so I would really encourage you to have your Bible out in front of you. We're continuing our new uh, sermon series uh, today uh, that we've been in the last several weeks called The Jesus Tour. And uh, we're over the last several weeks, we've been kind of walking through the life of Jesus here uh, in the Gospels and looking at some key stories from his life. And more than anything else, our desire is that you would know the person of Jesus more and more. Because here's the thing, sometimes I think we can just sort of read through the Bible and not fall more in love with Jesus. We can just say, well, I, I you know, did my Bible study for the week. I went to my class. I filled out the blanks. We finished another chapter. And I just want to know, are you more in love with Jesus? Yes. Right? And that's the question I think we have to ask ourselves uh, as we go through this. And that's our prayers, that you wouldn't just read these stories, but that you would actually be, be wondering, what would it be like if I was actually there? You know, last week we talked about Jesus being in the boat and the storm comes up. What would that have been like? What would it be like to just walk with Jesus every day and just learn from him and talk to him and listen to him? What would, that, what would that be like? What would it actually be like to be there, to be with him? Because the same Jesus that was so close and, and tangible to people back then is the same Jesus that's right here today. 
Sometimes I just imagine that. When I'm preaching up here and I just kind of look in the back, I just imagine some Sunday Jesus just walking in from the back and just walking through the rows like this. What would you do? I would say, you can have the pulpit. That's what I would say, right? <laughs> it's a pretty good, pretty good preacher, right? What would you do? But that's the opportunity that we have. Every time you read the Gospels, put yourself in the story and say, what would it be like for me to experience that? That same Jesus has just come in and just look you right in the eyes this morning. He has very, something very important to say. And for this morning, for our message, there's two words that I believe that Jesus wants to say to us that I want you to remember above and beyond everything else today. And it's simply this, come down. Everybody say, come down. And I'll say it like you mean it. Come down. Come down. It's always good to have a ladder that I can borrow from our setup team here. Put up those curtains. So those were the same two words that my mom yelled out to me about 30 years ago. So if you want to know how old I am, I was two years old at the time. And we were out in the yard about this time of year. And as a family, my brother's two years older, so he was four and I was two. And we were out uh, doing some yard work, as I'm sure many of you have done these last couple weekends, and we were raking up. And uh, my dad was, uh, had a ladder out um, about this height, actually probably even higher than this. It's more like 15, 20 feet, way up there, because he was trying to clean out the gutters. Anybody love cleaning out your gutters, right, with the leaves and the gunk? And so that's what my dad was doing, and he was going up and down the ladder. Well, my brother and I were out there, you know, goofing around, as little kids do, picking up sticks and things like that, and I'm two years old, so I'm about my son Caleb's age right now, so I'm like, you know, a little toddler, just kind of waddling around. So I'm waddling around out there, and my dad comes down the ladder, and my mom and dad, just for a split second, turn their back and are picking up something or raking up something, and being a curious little toddler, guess where I'm going? To the ladder, right? So I'm like this tall like the second rung of the ladder. And I start as a two-year-old, right? Walking up the ladder, climbing up the ladder. Like my legs are barely long enough to get to the next rung of the ladder. And I get all the way up to the top to where I'm even with the roof. And as my mom turns around, I am lifting my leg over onto the roof of our garage, okay? If any of you have any had kids that are two years old, imagine your two-year-old all by themselves, not attached to anything on the roof of your house, okay? So that's the picture. So you know why in that moment my mom turns around and she yells, come down. come down! She's, Jonathan, come down from there, right? And here's what I do. As any, you know, goofy, sarcastic two-year-old, this is what I'm told. I don't remember it, obviously. Uh, I was there, but this is what they tell me, that instead of screaming or crying or, you know, obeying, because what kid would do that, I turn around on the roof of the garage. I look at my parents with a big old smile and just wave. <laughs> That's all I did. And my mom is yelling, come down from there. Jonathan, come down from there. And I tell you that to tell you this, that for my mom that day, those two words, come down, were, were yelled because it was a matter of life and death. And our story that we're going to unpack today Jesus yells out, calls out those two same words, come down, and it turns out for him, it is a matter of life and death as well. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 19, and that's what we're going to discover today. So if you're already there, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, here we go. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho 
and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, if you grew up in the church at all, if you're familiar at all with uh, Bible stories, you probably have heard of the one of Zacchaeus, right? Because we all know that Zacchaeus was a... And a wee little man was he. he could, oh, we could go on, right? You don't want to hear me sing. Uh, we, can, we can do that later. But you've all heard that song. He was a wee little man, right? But what you may not know is the depth and the background that makes this story so amazing. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And some of you might be thinking, okay, so he's kind of like an IRS agent. They just, you know, their office is in a building somewhere and they just sit there and nobody really knows them. Not the case for tax collectors in Jesus' day. They were employed by the Roman government. Remember, the Romans are in charge of of the whole country, the whole region of all these Jews. And so they would hire Jews to go out to their own people and collect taxes from them when when the time was due. But these tax collectors also, because the Romans just kind of, you know, lorded it over everybody, they had the right to charge as much on top of what you owed as they wanted. So if you owe $200 for your taxes, let's say, if I'm Zacchaeus, if I'm a tax collector, one of the tax collectors that Zacchaeus is in charge of, I'm going to send you out and say, uh, I'm never going to tell you this, that you only owe $200. I'm going to say you owe $250. And guess where the $50 is going? In my pocket. And the Romans didn't even bat an eye. Because that's how corrupt the system was. They kept it for themselves. That's Zacchaeus. That's who he is. He's essentially, among his own people, working for the enemy. He is seen as a traitor to his own people, and he is a thief on top of that. So needless to say, tax collectors on the the social ladder, on the spectrum of people, they were probably right down there with, oh, I don't know, convicts and prostitutes. Then the tax collectors. That's how little people thought of them. They were hated, they were regarded as... Filth. So how ironic that Zacchaeus' name literally means the pure one or righteous, right? So for Zacchaeus, the money was nice, but think about it. Think about this for a second. To live among your own people as an outcast had to be excruciatingly lonely. So in pursuit of wealth, he had basically lost Everything else, mainly friendship with anyone. Because who wanted to be friends with the traitor? So can you imagine how lonely and empty Zacchaeus' life is? Yes, he maybe has all the money in the world. He probably has stacks of coins in his bed that sleep with him. He has so much money. But he's in poverty when it comes to relationships. He's in poverty. There's a lot of different ways for us to look at poverty, and that was Zacchaeus. And I don't know what the tape measure said about how tall he was, but under the mask of his wealth, I would imagine that in his guilt and in his shame, he probably felt pretty small. So yes, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He thought of himself as small, and people probably saw him as small. And obviously something in him, because of what he's just about to do, is crying out, there's got to be more to life than this. 
There's got to be more to life than this, than living for myself. You ever been there? Ever asked that question? And there they are after Zacchaeus now. Look back at the story, verse 3. Knowing what you know now, verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now, depending on what translation you have, a different translation maybe more accurately says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Notice it doesn't say he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to experience him for himself. Because Zacchaeus had most likely caught wind of the fact that Jesus had this reputation for number one, supposedly being the son of God, but number two, more importantly for Zacchaeus, that the reputation was Jesus was actually comfortable hanging out with the outcasts, with sinners. Earlier in Luke, we discovered that Jesus had been even labeled a friend of sinners, So if Zacchaeus, I'm guessing, is most likely thinking to himself, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this Jesus could do something for me too. You ever thought that? That maybe, just maybe, whatever circumstances you find yourself in today, maybe, just maybe, Jesus could break into those or break through whatever barriers there are in my life, and maybe, just maybe, Jesus could change My life, too. That's what he's wondering. Maybe Jesus could meet me right where I am and what Zacchaeus is thinking, and I hope that when he discovers who I really am, that that friendship won't go away. You ever wondered that? Like, man, if people really discovered who I was, would I still belong here? Like, would I still be welcomed I wonder that a lot. Your pastor's telling you that. There's a place for you here, and that's what Zacchaeus is looking for. Verse 4, look back at the story. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So you can imagine there's a huge crowd around Jesus. It's like the paparazzi, right? And all the fans and everybody, all the groupies are around Jesus. You can imagine for Zacchaeus, he's about this tall, and the humiliation of fighting through the crowd, I'm sure getting pushed down and kicked and probably spit on because he's an outcast. He finally makes his way with, they, men wore dresses back then, so he's, imagine climbing a tree in a dress, right, ladies? That would be kind of difficult and awkward. So he shimmies his way up this tree and literally goes out on a limb for Jesus. So he's hanging out there so he can get a better perspective and maybe just catch a glimpse of Jesus. And I'm sure that Zacchaeus is wondering, do you think he'll even see me? Man, I just, I wonder if, I mean, he's Jesus. I'm so, I'm just sure he doesn't have time for me. Do you think that he'll even notice me? And if you're anything like me, it's, it's easy to wonder that ourselves sometimes. You come here on a Sunday morning and it's easy to think I'm just a face in the crowd. Or to go throughout your work week and say, you know, I'm sure God's got a lot more important things to do than to listen to my prayers. You know, there's all these other things going on in the world. Does God really care what's going on in my life? 
So maybe Zacchaeus is thinking, am I going to, I'm up here in this tree, am I going to have to make a complete fool out of myself and like start yelling and screaming just to get Jesus' attention? Am I going to have to do something like that? And I was thinking about that image of Zacchaeus, you know, maybe trying to like yell out or call out to, to Jesus without embarrassing himself. And I could not think of a clip of another man that's up high trying to get the attention of his friends. You know them as the three amigos. <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Zacchaeus. Let's take a look. So maybe it's something like that, you know. Now, luckily, I don't think that Zacchaeus was up there yelling out to Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, like, look up here, look up here, right? I don't, you know, luckily, he didn't have to do that. In fact, you know, I, I think about that clip and I think about the Zacchaeus story. I'm not so sure Zacchaeus wanted to be seen. I think he wanted to see Jesus, but I don't know if he wanted Jesus to see him. And maybe that's you today. And you're not Steve Martin up there saying, Jesus, Jesus, I want your attention. I think you're saying, I just want to be in kind of a relationship with Jesus and know that he loves me, but I'm going to keep my distance because I really don't want Jesus to come in and start messing things up in my life. Or maybe that's just me. Because if I let Jesus in, if he sees me, then I might be in relationship with him, and then he might ask me to change some things in my life that I don't want to change. So I'm not exactly sure Zacchaeus was up there going, look up here, look up here, right? I don't think he wanted to be seen. I mean, out of the whole crowd, do you really think that Jesus himself is going to pick out the one guy who's probably the least religious and the farthest away from God? Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. And then let's read the last part of the verse together up on the screen. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Everybody say, come down. Come down. down. And in case you're wondering, yes, that really just happened. Jesus just invited himself over for dinner. How rude. Who does that, right? What if I just came up to you after the service today and said, dinner's at six, right? I'll be over. Um, I mean, that's fine and everything, you know, right? It's just kind of weird. Like, who does that? If you're, if you're wondering, yes, Jesus just did that, and if you've also ever felt anonymous to God, know this morning that not only does he see you, he knows your name. And he knows everything about you, including what you need the most. And when Zacchaeus was up in that tree, Jesus, being God, was not only able to see him, but see into his heart and to see what he needed the most. Now, some of you might wonder, why would Jesus invite himself over for dinner to the scumbag's house in front of everybody? It's important to know that in Jesus' day, if you were to invite yourself over to somebody's house, it's not like, hey, I'm just going to quick stop over and we're going to have some, you know, a quick McDonald's, quick bite to eat, and then I'll be on my way. You weren't just inviting them to their house, you were inviting them into your life. And not only that, but to eat with someone was a clear sign of friendship. A deep and lasting friendship. So Jesus eating at Zacchaeus' house doesn't just mean friendship with the outcast, it means that he's got friendship with God. And all he's got to do is 
come down. Everybody say, come down. So there's Zacchaeus out on his perch. And he can either come down or he can refuse the invitation and stay right where he is. And I'm sure what's running through Zacchaeus' head is, I don't know if I want to get down. Because I don't know if he's going to accept me for who I am. And little does Zacchaeus know and little do we know that Jesus has more grace already for you than you could ever imagine. He's just waiting for you and he's just waiting for you to come down. So will you come down? I, I don't know what that ladder or I don't, I don't know what that tree is for you today, but all of us are up there somewhere. We're all in our spot. We're all in that set of circumstances. We all have our tree that we've climbed up to and we're just kind of scoping out the situation and looking if I'm all on board with this Jesus thing. So in whatever place you find yourself this morning with your doubts, your fears, and your stress, and your frustration, even some of you might be up your tree in complacency. Your spiritual journey is like plateaued. Some of you, you're up the tree of apathy. And you're coming every week and you're doing this thing, but it's just like, it's not real. There's something missing in there. And maybe Zacchaeus can resonate with you. And Jesus is calling out to you by name, wherever you are in your tree this morning, come down. Will you come down so that you can start really living? So I can give you what you really need. So what's holding you back? Some of us will come down and we'll do life with Jesus and others will stay most of, some of us, most of our Christian lives up there, kind of just scoping out the situation but never really being in. And I, I tell you, in, in six years of this church, one of the biggest excuses that I hear of why people stay up there is, oh, it's my past. I hear people say all the time, <laughs> John, I can't be used in this church. I could never lead a small group. I could never leave a team. I, I could never get involved. You just don't know the rest of my story. And if you knew the rest of my story, disqualification. Read the story of Zacchaeus again. For some of you, what's keeping you up on your perch, what's keeping you up in your tree, is your misaligned priorities. Some of you, you're, you're thinking, you know, I, I, I like this Jesus thing, but I also like a whole bunch of other things. It's your misplaced priorities. For Zacchaeus, money had become the center of his life, but for most of us, it's these less innocent things that get in the way. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for the invitation. But you know what? Life's just a lot more comfortable up here, and I don't want to come down to you because you're going to start messing with things in my life. Jesus, you know, it's just not a good time for me to get wrapped up in all this faith stuff, in this church stuff. Things are going to eventually slow down with work. I'm sure things will eventually slow down with the kids. Someday things will slow down with my hobbies. But until then, Jesus, just hang on. I'll do my thing. Jesus, you do your thing. And someday we'll make this work. And I think that we know what Zacchaeus knew 
If I come down from there, Jesus is going to get a hold of me and he's going to change me. And that means if I come down today from wherever I am, that means I'm going to have to let go of the old John and step into the new John. And you're going to have to let go of the old you and step into the new you. There's no turning back once you connect with Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, that's the point. (laughs) I want you to come down. I want to change you. Not because I want to steal your joy, but because I want to give you a real joy that comes from thinking and looking outside of yourself, from a life that doesn't exist just for you. Your priorities are all out of whack this morning. So come down already, Jesus says. What, What do you need to come down from? Come down from your overly busy, hectic lifestyle. Come down from your half-hearted Christianity. Come down from your insecurities about having close Christian friendships in your life. Come down from your fears about sharing your faith and inviting others to worship. I mean, is your image, is your reputation really more important than the gospel? Come down from it. Come down from those fears. I don't know what your tree you're in this morning, but Jesus says it's time to come down. And so there's Zacchaeus in that moment. And he doesn't have to come down, but he does. Check out verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. No hesitation, no excuses. And I think that if Zacchaeus was here today, and he saw you perched up on your tree, kind of separated from Jesus, I think he'd say, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Why are you stuck up there when real life is found down here? When Zacchaeus accepted Jesus' invitation to dinner, along with it came what he had been looking for all along. Belonging. You belong to me now, Jesus says, and because of that, your past belongs to me. Which means it no longer defines who you are. I define who you are, Jesus says. When you stop playing church and you actually let yourself be loved, Jesus will change you from the inside out. Jesus met the deepest needs in Zacchaeus' heart, and because of it, he was able to start seeing the needs of everybody else around him. Look at verse 8. A short time later, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. You remember this Zacchaeus, right? You remember who we're talking about. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. What? Could this be the same man? Is change really possible? Is transformation really possible? Jesus says, absolutely, this morning. And all it took was obedience to two words. And those two words are, come down. He's calling out to you this morning. The love of Jesus Christ changed Zacchaeus from being alone to belonging, from a consumer to a servant, from a thief to an extravagant giver, just as he has for so many of you. This isn't just Zacchaeus' story, it's our story. I was walking through our new facility earlier this week, 
late in one evening and there's just a few lights on and it was kind of calm and dim in there and I was just kind of walking through and uh, watching all the dust settle and I was thinking about all the hours, all the time, all the commitment, <laughs> literally the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into this building from so many of you. And in that moment, I was just overwhelmed with gratitude. And then it hit me. It's like, you get it. <laughs> you get it. You, you've experienced what Zacchaeus experienced. When we realize, and this is it this morning, this is it. When we realize that we have been loved and forgiven by Jesus Christ and that everything that we have in this life is a pure gift of grace, being all in for Jesus is the only thing that makes sense. Amen? Like, I, I can't think of another way to respond to that. That's how Zacchaeus responded. He said, I don't care that the Roman law is if you steal from somebody, you have to pay him back and then give 20%. Zacchaeus says, I'm giving four times as much back because no longer is my relationship with Jesus defined by a got to, it's a get to. It's not duty, it's delight because I've been changed from the inside out. And so I'm gonna go above and beyond. I'm gonna go all in for Jesus because that's the only natural response. And just like Zacchaeus, it makes us do crazy things like give away our money and get up early to set up tech equipment and TVs or get up early to help serve breakfast or brew coffee or be an usher or be a greeter or whatever, set up chairs. It makes us do crazy things. And I don't know, but something I've noticed these past few years is that those people around here in our community who have stopped trying to put on the front and act like they're fine, that those people, members of our church that have come to the place of brokenness in their life and have admitted, you know, whatever it is, I need help. It's those people that have experienced the love and grace of God. It's those people that end up loving the most and serving the most. Isn't that interesting? You kind of look out and the people you think, oh, they have it all together. It's actually the people that don't have it all together that are actually the pillars of this community. So many of you are there. They end up giving the most. They end up serving the most. Or as scripture says, those who have been forgiven much, like Zacchaeus, love much. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. And a few weeks ago, I came across this short video that I, I believe captures the transformation that God longs to do in each of us. It's not in English, so I want you to pay attention to the subtitles. But watch closely this short little story. Watch what happens when a heart is changed by God's love. Let's take a look. Those who have been loved love much. All expenses paid 30 years ago. And for us, all expenses paid 2,000 years ago on an old Roman cross. 
the bill has cleared. There's nothing left to pay. The story of Zacchaeus is everywhere. And if you will let Jesus in this morning, and I mean let him all the way in, he can change your life just like he changed Zacchaeus' life. Let that be the story of your life. The story of Zacchaeus is everywhere. Today, it's time to come down from wherever you are and let Jesus all the way in. Amen? Would you stand and pray with me? So Jesus, as we read these stories, we know that it's not just something that happened long ago. We know it's something that's real and is happening today. And God, our hearts yearn to be those kind of people. Our hearts long to be those kind of people that have been changed, that have been transformed to the point where we become extravagant givers extravagant lovers and extravagant servants in your kingdom. So God, do that work in a brand new way in all of our hearts this morning. Make us the kind of people that see worship and community and serving and this whole thing of being the church as a get to, not a got to, as a delight instead of a duty. God, we love you and there's nothing else that we would rather do than come down then come down and let you change us from the inside out. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your extravagant love and your extravagant grace, and I pray that you would change us and that because of that, this week, Des Moines would not be the same because Lutheran Church of Hope Des Moines left the building. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before you leave today, we have one thing that we would love for you to do. Because there is a sense of belonging and you belong here, there's banners on the side. And as you leave, if you need to come up for prayer, come up for prayer. Head over to that wall and find the year, the block of years that you came to hope. Just hope, not just Hope Des Moines, but any campus that you came to hope for the very first time and write your name on that banner. There's Sharpies over there. Just write it up on that banner. You belong. God bless you. Have a great week.